you are receiving this transmission, you are reclaiming the faith with Phil Baker on the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Welcome to episode 52 of Reclaiming the Faith, a podcast with a mission to reveal what the earliest Christians believed about the core issues facing us today. I'm your host, Phil Baker. Now let's dig into history. Hey y'all, thank you so much for taking time to listen to Reclaiming the Faith. Thank you for your prayers for me and my family, for my podcasting partners, BDK and Justin Fall of the Fourth Watch Radio Network. Thank you for praying for me as I'm looking for uh, a new job. Well, before I get into the show notes, I just want to tell you about a new single I have called War. It's available on CD Baby and iTunes, and I'd really appreciate it if you check it out. And if it's a blessing to you, please consider leaving me a positive review there. Thanks so much for that encouragement and support, guys. Well, I'm really excited to get into episode 52, which is about the third beatitude, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And in it, we'll discuss how this third beatitude is interconnected to the first two beatitudes. And we'll also see how that characteristic was lived out in both the lives of Isaiah the prophet and Jesus Christ himself. The study for this episode was definitely an encouragement and a challenge that I'm grateful for. Well, if you're blessed by today's episode, I really want to encourage you to leave a positive review on my iTunes channel, Reclaiming the Faith. Doing so will greatly help me out, as well as uh, reviewing my new album, which is also on iTunes in different places, this new album called The Shadows EP. If you've listened to it and you like those songs, please do me a favor and head over to iTunes and leave a positive review and rating. And also, if you've read my book, New Wineskins and the Simple Words of Christ, please head over to Amazon and also leave a rating and review there. That will help others so much and me as well. If you want to contact me, you can go to my website, philsbaker.com, and you can find my uh, email contact there, which is email philsbaker at gmail.com. I'm blessed to be a part of Justin Falls' Fourth Watch Radio Network, along with BDK of Omega Frequency, who I do a monthly Q&A show with called Ready With An Answer. And if you have any questions about this episode or any episodes that we talk about or maybe an ethical question, send me or BDK an email and we will be happy to answer your question on Ready With An Answer, which we do once a month. And finally, the early Christian quotes that I use can generally be found on the CD-ROM version of the Anti-Nicene Fathers, which you can purchase for $5 on the Scroll Publishing website. All right, let's go ahead and get episode 52 rolling. When Jesus said, blessed are the meek, He did not say, blessed are the weak. Meekness is not weakness. This word meekness means more than just gentleness. It means power under control. It is exercising God's strength 
under God's control. It's kind of like my 90-pound Airedale, Zeke, who could easily drag my daughter down the street, staying right beside her on a loose leash. He has the power to do some dangerous things, but he's choosing to submit himself to her lead. It seems that Jesus is pulling from Psalm 37 to form this beatitude, blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. This is Psalm 37, starting in verse one. The psalmist writes, do not fret because of evildoers. Be not envious toward wrongdoers for they will wither quickly like the grass and fade like the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. For evildoers will be cut off. But those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the meek, the humble, will inherit the land, and he will delight in abundant prosperity. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes at him with his teeth, for the Lord laughs at him for he sees his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and bent their bow to cast down the afflicted and the needy, to slay those who are upright in conduct. But their sword will enter their own heart and their bows will be broken. Better is the little of the righteous than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord sustains the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their inheritance will be forever. They will not be ashamed in the the time of evil, and in the days of famine they will have abundance. But the wicked will perish, and the enemies of the Lord will be like the glory of the pastures, They vanish like smoke. They vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not pay back, but the righteous is gracious and gives. For those blessed by him will inherit the land, but those cursed by him will be cut off. That's Psalm 37 verses 1 through 22. And meekness like that described by the psalmist here is hard to come by. And it's certainly not like a light switch we can turn off and on like the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs. 
with their sudden playoff ferocity. No, meekness is developed through a process. And the Beatitudes demonstrate this process. First, being poor in spirit. This humility that I am nothing and I have nothing apart from God. Apart from God, I am without hope completely. I deserve to die because of my sins. And yet, trusting fully in what God has done and what God has said. And trusting ourselves fully to Him. And that should lead us, though, to mourning. Because of our sins and what our sins did to Jesus. And it's because of our sins that He died. As the song in Christ alone says, It was my sin that held Him there until it was accomplished. Our sins. We are the reason that Jesus died. And it's not just what our sins did to Jesus, but what our sins do to others and what their sins do to themselves. And we mourn over this. We grieve over that. And it's through that that we receive comfort from God. And someone who has become poor in spirit and has mourned over their sins will be taken to a place of biblical, godly meekness. And that's what we see in the life of Isaiah in chapter 6. Now, Isaiah was a priest. He's a good guy. He's a young man. He's a good guy. And yet, when he saw the Lord, it completely changed his life from being a very good religious man to becoming completely sold out for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Let's take a look at that. This is Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Isaiah writes, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled. And at the voice of him who called out while the temple was filling with smoke, And then I said, woe is me, woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me. With a burning coal in his hand, which he had taken from the altar with tongs, he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is forgiven. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, 
send me. This passage is so amazing because just doing his daily duties, just going about his daily routine as a priest, one day Isaiah saw the Lord that his whole life was built around. He actually met him and it changed his life forever. The first way it changed his life is that by seeing the Lord, he realized his utter helplessness. And he, as he was brought face to face with the reality of his great sinfulness. And because of that, he then encountered mourning. As he says, woe to me. He's basically saying, I am a dead man. It's all over for me. It's all over because of my sin. And yet, as Isaiah, as he confronts that, as he confesses his sinfulness, he then gets to experience the comfort of God. God sends an angel to take a coal from the altar and touch Isaiah's lips with it. And his sin is atoned for. It's a picture of what God would do for us with Jesus and how we can't fix ourselves. We can't clean ourselves up. We can't atone for our sin. God has to do it for us through the person of Jesus. And yet when Isaiah experiences this, he doesn't just say, oh, great, I got a new start and then go off on his merry way. No, no, something different happens. God says, who's going to go for me? Basically, God's saying, look, I'm going to send somebody on a mission trip. Now, he doesn't tell Isaiah where he's sending him. He doesn't say how long he's going to go for. He doesn't say what he's going to need to pack. He doesn't say who's going to be there. He doesn't say if anyone will be accompanying Isaiah. No, he just says who's going to go and Isaiah, in meekness, says, Here am I. Send me. And what an awesome opportunity Isaiah had. What a difference he made in the world. But while Isaiah does do a good job modeling for us this characteristic of meekness, no one does like Jesus. Andrew Murray once wrote, Christ is the humility of God embodied in human nature, the eternal love humbling itself, clothing itself in the garb of meekness and gentleness to win and serve and save us. No one was meek like Jesus. No one had put their power under God's control like Jesus. Let's look at a few passages. This is in John chapter 5, verse 19. Jesus answered the religious leaders and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of Himself unless it is something He sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in like manner. 
John 8, verse 28, Jesus said, When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He, and I do nothing on my own initiative, but I speak these things as the Father taught me. And John 12, For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father Himself who has sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. But an even greater picture of Jesus's meekness is in his temptations with the devil. Let's look at those. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he became hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Could Jesus have turned those stones into bread? Absolutely, but he wouldn't be doing the will of God. He came to do only what his father told him to do. Jumping back, verse 5. Then the devil took him into the holy city and had him stand on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up so that you, you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, On the other hand, it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Could Jesus have flown around the air, thrown himself off the building and and levitated? Of course he could have. He could use his powers however he want, but we are not called to put the Lord our God to the test. And so Jesus obeyed God. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to Jesus, all these things I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, go, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. It's interesting how Satan says there's a shortcut to inheriting the earth, Jesus. Just worship me. And Jesus says, I'm not taking that route. I'm not taking that route. I will walk the path that the Father has laid out for me. I will serve him only. It's interesting. It seems as if Satan is, was trying to appeal to a prophecy in Psalm chapter 2. In Psalm chapter 2, where the psalmist writes, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He has said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. And Satan is saying, well, ask me and I'll do it. 
No. Jesus will not will not cut corners. Jesus will not worship anyone but God, no matter what it costs him. But because of his meekness, he inherits the earth. And you know, he did that. He did that very thing. He served God, not just in his death, but in his life. But because he was willing to live fully for God, and he was willing to die fully for God. He was raised back to life again. And in what is called the Great Commission, in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus comes up to his disciples after rising from the dead and says to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. He got it. He did it. His meekness allowed him to inherit the earth. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2 affirms this. It says, In these last days, God has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, and through whom also he made the world. So, how are we supposed to respond? Well, like Isaiah, we should be overwhelmed by the goodness of God by the great mercy of God, who has loved us like Jesus, who has served us like Jesus, who has been good to us like Jesus, who has sacrificed for us like Jesus. How do you pay back someone that gave their life for you? Well, you, you, you can't, can you? You can't really pay them back. And that's something that Paul hits at, um, in Romans chapter 11, at the, very end, at the very end of it, when it says, like, who could ever pay back God? Who could ever pay him back? Because from him and to him and through him are all things. To him be the glory forever. But then Paul shifts a little bit and says, well, there, there's one thing that you could do that's just a reasonable response. And he says in chapter 12, verse 1, therefore I urge you, Brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul says, the only reasonable way to respond to what Jesus has done is by you you giving your life back to him, literally presenting yourself to him as an offering, as a sacrifice, presenting your mind to him, presenting your Uh, words to him, presenting your job to him, presenting your family to him, presenting your car to him, your bank account to him, presenting your uh, time to him, presenting your heart to him. Be a living sacrifice to Jesus. And as we do, we will be transformed. Our minds will be renewed we will grow more and more into the likeness of Jesus. 
Well, I just want to wrap up by looking at one more passage from Romans. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 14. And what an amazing picture of meekness this is. Paul writes, For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. What an amazing Father we have in heaven. What an amazing God we serve, who served us first, who loved us first, and has chosen to give us an incredible inheritance which can never spoil or fade. So let us seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Let us put our mind on heavenly things. Let us not work for food that spoils, but for that which endures to eternal life. Let us find our treasure in heaven. Meekness is not weakness.
feet were pierced for us The price of our deliverance Who gives their life for criminals No one, no one but you What I deserve I deserve No, it's not what I've received No, no, what you deserve What you deserve Is all my love, my loyalty Oh, what I deserve What I deserve Love